Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here, you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey, podcast friends, we have a really hot topic that we're going to talk about today. I'm sure you've seen it all over social media, Instagram, TikTok. I think somebody told me there have been over like 3 million views on TikTok. Um, So today we're going to be talking all about it. Um, I'm sure you've heard the commercials for the um, FDA approved drugs, Wegovi and Ozempic, uh, and the medication behind those medicines is actually a peptide called semaglutide, or some people call it semaglutide. Um, So we're actually going to be talking um, about this peptide. I like to call it semaglutide. Um, So that's what we're going to be talking about. And we have an expert uh, who, from a compounding pharmacy that actually makes our semaglutide that we're using in our practice. And uh, so today we have Dr. Anthony Campbell from Wells Pharmacy. Welcome, Dr. Campbell. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. Um, you know, as as mentioned, my name is Tony Campbell, and I'm a compounding pharmacist, a graduate from the University of Florida in 2003 with a doctorate in uh, in pharmacy. And I've been compounding for um, it'll be 20 years uh, next month. Um, oh, you've been in it for a really long time. Yeah, I started actually in pharmacy when I was 19 in the United States Air Force and um, really got going on there. Um, you know, it, it took a little while to get out and get back to school and finish. But, um, you know, I've certainly enjoyed the 20 years compounding here. Um, I'm board certified in sterile compounding as well. And, um, you know, I've been doing it and loving it and um, couldn't imagine doing anything else at the moment. So. So some of our listeners, obviously, everybody is familiar with the what a pharmacist is, is everybody I'm sure that's listening to this has at least one time in their life gone to a pharmacy and uh, had that interaction with the pharmacist. But people might not know what a compounding pharmacist is. Yeah, I, I get that a lot when people ask me, you know, what what I do. Um, and I tell them I'm a compounding pharmacist and they just kind of stare and it's a moment of silence as they don't understand. But uh, honestly, it's just basically taking raw, uh, pure chemical of the substance and making a dosage form that is uh, to be used by the patient um, that might not be available commercially. So if you have a, a, a small child or, uh, or even an animal, that the product is only available as a tablet or in a concentration that might be too much. Um, you know, we take the raw ingredient, uh, not the product that you know, is prepared uh, re- and on the retail market, but we'll, we'll make it from scratch, kind of like making, um, you know, cookies, if you will. There's a recipe with ingredients and every formulation has to be derived, uh, you know, and tested for compatibility and all the things that go into that. So it's a highly regulated uh, market of compounding. So you are in uh, strict adherence to, to state board regulations, to FDA, um, you know, guidance, documents so it is it's very highly scrutinized and even uh, becoming more so uh, just in the last you know decade so um 
essentially, yeah. So we just put together a specific dosage form uh, for a patient that would need something that's not available uh, in the commercial market. You know, I'm glad you brought up the regulations because sometimes I read some of the the guidelines uh, specifically um, in the OBGYN community or hormone community. And, you know, they really discourage using compounding um, pharmacies because they say lack of regulation and testing. And from what I understand of working with compounding pharmacists for, you know, over a decade, that's the furthest from the truth. Yeah, certainly. And, and, you know, compounding has kind of, I mean, just in the, you know, two years or two decades I've been doing it, you know, yeah, the first 10 years, for sure, it was almost a bit of, you know, uh, Wild West, if you will. Um, You know, there are compounders out there um, and people who started compounding pharmacies and who were just making things. And um, there were regulations in place, but they weren't so strictly enforced, um, you know, since the tragedy uh, in the New England pharmacy of the meningitis outbreak um, about 10 years ago. Um, it's really, really gotten uh, a lot more, um, you know, a lot more regulations, a lot more uh, strict in the rules. And there's even um, a revision to the compounding practice coming uh, later this year in November that is going to really narrow that window that compounding pharmacies can operate in. So when people say it's kind of an unregulated profession and, you know, it's unsafe, um, you know, it's really, it comes down to the integrity of the actual, you know, pharmacy preparing it and their, um, you know, commitment to adhere to these. And if you don't commit to them, then you're, you're not going to be in business for, you know, for any amount of time. So, so here at Wells, you know, we do embrace those changes. Um, they're often a little frustrating at times, but, you know, we know that in the end it's, it's, it's for patient safety. So, so we, we certainly welcome them. Yeah. So let's get into it and talk about, um, you know, this, this hot new drug that's uh, out there. Um, I guess specifically it's in the class of medications called a peptide Um and we use lots of peptides, so I'd love to have you back to talk about some another day of all the peptides that um, we use in our practice and actually Wells Pharmacy makes them for us, but um, that's for another day. But in general, what is what can you explain to people what peptides are? Yeah, so peptides are just um, you know a small chain of amino acids um, that uh, make up a protein, you know, if there's, they generally classify a string of amino acids of the FDA has kind of put the stipulation at 40. Um, just, I think, uh, about three years ago, there was a stipulation that came out that if it's 40 amino acids in length, it's a peptide. If it's longer than that, it's uh, in a classification as a biologic. So, here, when we are talking about peptides, we're talking about just a string of amino acids um, that are joined together in a specific um, sequence. And what those do uh, is have you know biologic effects at different areas of the body and different receptors thereof. So there's growth hormone uh, receptors, there's growth hormone peptides, there's in, uh, inflammatory markers that peptides that, so a, a lot of these peptides are all endogenous. So that is to say that your your body already produces those. So a peptide, say for instance, um, you know, GHK copper tripeptide that's in your skin at normal amounts, particularly when you're young, as you age, you lose that copper tripeptide 
and that causes the sign of aging. Uh, peptide BPC, you know, one five seven is found endogenously in your gut, and it was derived from the human, you know, peptide in, that was found in uh, human gastric juice. We're talking about semaglutide again. That's just another sequence of um, amino acids that are structured in such a way to have an effect on uh, a receptor in the body called um, the glucagon-like peptide one receptor, or for short, uh, GLP-1. Yeah, and that's that, a great it, explanation. It, yeah. uh, did I interrupt you? Go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't know if you wanted me to continue, but, you know, GLP-1, you know, why, well, why, why is that important? You know, why? what's that got to do with anything? Semaglutide affects the GLP-1 receptors. Well, GLP-1 is a, is a very strong um, uh, signaling a meal molecule in your body that affects appetite and yeah so it, glp1 is normally in our body right and right, right. and semaglutide works on the glp1 receptor right it's an agonist at that there so what that does is increases your 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 glp1 which has a strong reduction in appetite um so every time you eat when you get you know, a surge of glucose and stuff then your glp1 will uh, you know will, will change and then you won't be hungry and then as you're further and further away from the meal those you know get released by your body and says hey i'm, I'm hungry essentially when it comes right down to it in the most basic of terms the weight loss found in semaglutide is due to a reduction in appetite mm-hmm yeah, so I'm not sure if you want to get into it of how this compounding medicine is different than the commercials we're seeing all over the the sure. TV. Right. Of so Ozempic and Wegovy. Right. So those uh, retail products um, are strictly um, they're semaglutide. They're provided in uh, different concentrations because they're for two different indications. Initially, it was for you know the treatment of type two diabetes and HbA1c, and a lot of those participants in those trials were losing a lot of weight, right? So those drug companies said, "Hey, let's make a drug, market it specifically for obesity," and then Wagovi was born. It's by the same company that makes o Ozempic. They're just marketed differently. For a compounding pharmacy to to compound uh, semaglutide, um, there are regulations in place that say um, you cannot make uh, essentially a copy of a commercial product. So that goes for not just semaglutide, but for anything that's compounded here. Um, it has to be different than a commercial product. Um, there's uh, different products, you know, testosterone injections. We can't straight make testosterone injections. We have to make it differently, put a different active ingredient in it. And, and that's what we've done, you know, with the semaglutide that is compounded. So there's an additional um, components of this. There's another, there's other amino acids in there uh, as well that, um, that effectively change it and make it different than what is commercially available. Yeah. The other thing, what I like about using the compounded product that, that you guys make for our practice is we, we, and we use so much lower doses than the commercial product. Um, and the commercial product has very set doses and a very set, like ramping up schedule to get to the, the highest level of, or to get to this specific dose. And that's where they saw the, that's where they did their studies on, on the, kind of the 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 maintenance dose 
Um, and in our practice, we use so much lower doses because we combine it with um, working with our wellness coaches to teach people um, how to eat. And so what's great about using semaglutide with this is it takes away all those cravings so you can actually d- be a lot more successful doing what our wellness coaches are trying to teach you of eating real whole foods and staying away from the the sugar and the processed foods. And, um, and, and so you don't have to do this drug forever versus from my understanding is Ozempic and Wagovi once started are meant to be continued indefinitely. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm great. I'm uh, glad you brought it up and, you know, your patients are super fortunate to have you uh, treat them because I think that's a fantastic idea is to use the lowest effective dose. Many people look at semaglutide and they say, you know, oh, it's a race to get to the to the max dose. And they look at that as their goal. Well, that's not the goal. That's a titra- uh, titration schedule, you know, for the purpose of treating diabetes. If your blood glucose isn't controlled, at this dose, increase it until we can see your glucose levels become you know, more regular, HbA1c go down. If that's only halfway through or maybe, you know, the second dosing increment, great. As far as weight loss, you know, a lot of people miss the um, the point in there that, or the the message from the drug company that it should be used with a reduced calorie meal plan and increased physical activity. And I think a lot of people just look for the drug as their answer and they continue on life, eating the way they want, living a sedentary life. So you can certainly reach um, your weight loss goals by watching what you eat and increasing physical activity. If you can't and you've done it, certainly low dose semaglutide, great, great addition. However, you know, you shouldn't just run to the end and try to increase your dose. Um, you know, certainly staying on that low dose is, is you know, going to lead to less side effects, less reliance on the medication. Um, you know, you're not going to be on it for uh, forever. You know, there's there's no intention for somebody that to, to be on, you know, semaglutide for the long term. Um not in the compounding realm. I do think, right, right. Yeah. I think drug companies want you to be on. Oh, it for sure. For like, sure. Which is why they, I, I forget which one is it way goofy. That's um, FDA approved now for children as young as 12, which just breaks my heart. Right. Uh, yes. The semaglutide, right. For uh, 12 and older, if you have a BMI and you're in the 95th percentile. Yep. And so you get, you get kids who are, you know, obese when they're 14 years old and, you know, rather than send them outside and get them physically active and feed them right, you know, just stick a needle in them. And that's a really, really, really sad, uh, sad way to go. Yeah. So let's talk about like um, you talked about, it works on that GLP one receptor and it, um, it does, you know, make you uh, not as hungry. So, um, uh, you know, I've taken this medicine and, uh, you know, I could have my kids could bring home crumble cookies and have cookies laying all over the place. And I'm just not even interested. And so I could pass that up and 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 have some broccoli. But yeah. uh, but it also has a lot of other health benefits. Are, are you are you familiar with all of those? Um, like the- the GLP one like, or the semaglutide? Just the the GLP one of like 
of because my understanding is it has a lot of benefits, like even on your cardiovascular system is um, maybe uh, uh, decreasing, like making the endothelium healthier, making blood um, lipids better, um, has some anti-inflammatory action. And so there is even some brain effects. Of oh, yeah, decreasing. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's all that's all mentioned, um, you know, and there's so much literature studies out there and they mention all this stuff in there. Um, you know, it's not promoted and marketed as such. You know, they did have these findings in these studies, but, um, you know, the conclusive you know, evidence to say this will improve cardiovascular health or this will do that. Um, you know, those are definitive you know, claims uh, that a drug company would have to make and they'd have to do further studies. But certainly those effects that you mentioned were seen, um, you know, in all the clinical trials uh, using some aglutide. You know, it can, um, you know, increase your um, insulin sensitivity, you know, in your fat cells and um, certainly, you know, reduce your, your blood glucose. But as far as the reduction in appetite, I know a number of people who are the same way they just look at food and just shrug their shoulder not interested so it does it does have you know pretty profound effect on appetite but um all the other physiologic um you know benefits that you mentioned are are certainly there and underneath yeah um you mentioned um some contraindicate or some side effects. So, and we've seen that in our patients who are getting the commercial drug. Um, and again, haven't been coached on diet because, you know, they're, they're, we've gone to another doctor and every now and then we'll have somebody who's, who's on the commercial drug and telling us about all these side effects. In fact, I've seen stuff online of people getting hospitalized for severe gastroparesis on these mega on you know on these high doses of these medicines um so let's talk about some of the the side effects that i think are dose related oh yeah for sure you know people um you know when they uh, when they look into to lose weight and they you know come upon a drug like semaglutide um and they're already eating poorly and they're getting all excited because they're about to start this weight loss journey and, you know, tomorrow I'm starting my injection today, you know, I'm feasting because, you know, so then they start off with this medication with a kind of a full, you know, stomach, um, you know, in your gastrointestinal tract. And the way this medication works is delays gastric emptying. So um, the longer that food kind of sticks in there, the more, um, you know, side effects you could be exposed to, you know, mainly nausea, you know, you know, diarrhea, some vomiting, uh, things like that, that can be avoided, you know, um, kind of eating smaller portions before you start uh, making sure that you're, you know, maybe just making sure if you're sensitive, your blood glucose levels may drop a little bit and you get that first feeling of maybe some hypoglycemia. But it's important to point out that in no study has anybody had severe cases of hypoglycemia yeah. um, with the proper dosing. I do want to you know, mention that because I did have a lady here who received um, a two mil vial um, and she injected the entire vial <gasps> oh, geez. All, at, all at once. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So <laughs> she probably you know, didn't want to eat for a month. No, she was very sick for about uh, seven days. Um, she did end up going to the hospital, um, but, uh, you know, they, of course, started fluids on her 
and put her on D50 and um, just monitored her treatment, you know, or treat, treated her symptoms. So, um, you know, even if you are dosing super high, it's, it's not likely to be um, fatal in most cases, but you certainly don't want to do that. You know, I think she injected, um, it's almost five milligrams of drug all at once. Um, as our first dose. So oh. um, other side effects, um, you know, headache. I've had some people have um, kind of belching, some gas, even one person had um, uh, heartburn, those kinds of things. They're all kind of related to that delay in gastric emptying. So you have that kind of slowdown um, that your, that your gut goes into. Uh, those are the most common ones. Um, you know, they they do have to mention in these studies, you know, uh, contraindications, so patients with uh, thyroid cell tumors, and they've seen this in uh, rodent studies, and they really weren't sure on the relevance to humans, so they do have to put a warning on there for contraindicated uh, in those kind of patients. Uh, I think there are episodes, you know, that were more severe, but really, really, um, you know, minimal in occurrence, so uh, gallbladder, um, acute pancreatitis, things like that, but those are very, very, very uh, rare. Um, right. the most, you know, the, 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 the side effects, uh, and those were probably seen, um, you know, at the two and a half milligram or 2.4 milligram dose. Um, most commonly though, some slight nausea, diarrhea, vomiting. Um, right. You know. and, and again, we're not seeing that in our practice because again, we're using just such lower, Low we're dose. using really lower doses. The other thing that I don't like about the FDA approved drug of using the you know, those high doses without any uh, kind of nutrition counseling is I think if you think that, okay, I'm just going to take this drug and keep eating, you know, kind of the bad stuff, fast food, I think that increases your risk of side effects of eating that, you know, heavy fat, trans fat, saturated fat. Um, I think that sets you up for having more side effects too. If you're not changing your diet to eating, you know, more of a plant-based whole food kind of nutrition exactly. plan. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. So yeah, it's important to stay away from, you know, those, like you mentioned, the, the carbohydrates, um, you know, all the processed foods, foods like that. I think people maybe fall into that trap because they're on this diet and they kind of, you know, don't eat for a day or two. And they think, man, I haven't been eating anything. I'm, you know, I'm going to go get a Big Mac or I'm going to go get, get a whatever. And they put all that, uh, all those carbs in your body. And, you know, the half-life of smaglutide is, is several days. So, you know, you might be three days into your dose, but the drug's just reaching its half-life. You see, you've got about three more before it starts to kind of fall off and taper. So, um, you know, that's kind of the point behind the once weekly dosing, but um you know, you can re you really got to be careful and, you know, uh, eat right. I think if you're eating a lot of the, 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 uh, you know, the plant-based nutrition, you're going to avoid a lot of those side effects that is seen with, um, with the smaglutide. Yeah. The other thing is, is again, if you're, if somehow you've gotten a hold of this medicine and haven't had any nutrition counseling is you think like, oh, okay, well, I'll just keep, you know, like again, how the FDA approved drug wants you to just keep slowly incrementally increasing to the kind of the maintenance dose is, and then you don't eat, like, I think chronic dieting also just messes up your metabolism in the long run. So actually a lot of our, a lot of people that we work with actually 
haven't been overeating. They've been actually under eating and we have to teach them to actually eat more to get their metabolism going. And so I think that's another chronic issue of just, here's a prescription, see a leader kind of. So we just don't do that in our practice. No, that's good. I think you, I mean, it sounds like you have a a wonderful view and outlook and a good uh, plan for these patients rather than just fulfilling a prescription and um, you know uh, your patient walks in and said hey I saw this can I get it and you you just write the prescription and send them on their way and I think your um, your the way that you view health and weight loss with the whole picture and the counseling the patients with the exercise and the proper nutrition and you know supplementing a little bit you know if they need it I think that's a that's by far one of the greatest approaches that um, that I've you know, heard from a practice, you know, so, um, I don't get out much, I guess, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but really, that's a really, really great, um, you know, um, pre- uh, mo- uh, model in your, in your practice. I do think it's important to also point out that, um, I've had some patients complain that they don't have side effects and they say, I don't think there's anything in this. I don't have any side effects. Um, and, you know, I think you sold me you know, saline. And, you know, it's a little insulting, you know, coming from here because we do, we do know that, you know, our product uh, is, you know, of high quality, high potency. And, um, you know, the same patient who has the same product as this patient, you know, is doing well. Um, But they don't experience the weight loss um, that they're expecting. But you have to keep in mind that, you know, even after six months of therapy, um, you know, only 8% of people you know, lost more than 20% of their body weight. So it's not really a guarantee that you're going to lose. You know, if you're 200 pounds and you can think, well, I'm going to lose 40 pounds. Well, more than likely, you're going to lose maybe 10% of, 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 of your body weight. You might lose 20. Um, and that's kind of where most people fall. About 55% of users um, will lose uh, you know, about 10 to 15% of their body weight. So just the fact that you're not losing what you expect, um, you know, if you're just relying on this drug to take care of your weight, you know, weight loss, you know, desires, I mean, that's your first mistake. But really, if you're doing everything right, um, you know, this drug isn't going to, you know, slim you down from, you know, 200 to, you know, slim 110. um, Without without the lifestyle things. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Why, you know, semaglutide is an injection. You mentioned it's a once a week injection, as are most of the peptides. Why are most of the peptides injection? So yeah, that's a that, that's a good question. So so peptides um, are amino acids, right? They're a string of amino acids. Well, your food, like meat and every all those other proteins that you eat, are also amino acids. So when they reach your stomach, your stomach doesn't know, oh, don't digest this one. This one's a drug. You can digest this one because this one's a piece of, you know, steak or this is banana or whatever. Um, So these amino acids get broken down by uh, in the gastric environment, uh, either by um, the pH of your stomach or just from gastric enzymes um, that will that will just cleave this and then basically make it ineffective. Um, So. 
semaglutide is an oral caps or oral tablet, right? Um, Ozempic, I can take that, you know, orally. Okay, well, yeah, but um, that drug is prepared and, uh, you know, I won't say compounded, it's manufactured in such a way with an ingredient in it that does um, inhibit 1% to be bioavailable. And that's all that's needed to have uh, the effect, you know, for uh, for the treatment of diabetes. I think it's called um, rebelsis, hmm. right? So you have to take three milligrams to start, then seven milligrams, and then 14 milligrams of semaglutide orally to get the equivalent of the one milligram, um, you know, in, in injectable dose. So there is an ingredient in the commercial products um, that does stabilize this when you take it uh, orally. And it can be used as well in a few other peptides that will protect it uh, in the gastric environment. What it essentially does is, is buffer the environment surrounding the drug, which can help increase the um, epithelial absorption of the drug uh, before it can be rendered inactive. And um, it's kind of that's what that's how that's what they do, um, and that's what they've done with uh, oral semaglutide. Um, for other oral peptides, this isn't an option. Um, a lot of it may have to do with just the molecular size of the pe peptide that we're talking about, or just the nature of it being de degraded. Um, you know, they can't really protect it, right? So, if that were possible, there'd be an oral insulin available right. at the moment, right? So, um, yeah, because you know, insulin is a peptide right. class of medications as well, isn't, isn't that right? Correct. All right. Yeah. Um, with uh, semaglutide, you mentioned like uh, the half-life is what, three days? So if somebody took an injection and said, I don't feel anything, and then took something, redose the next day, that would not be a good idea, correct? You're talking about the injection of semaglutide? Yes. Yeah, yes. They, take, they take it Sunday and then they take it again on Monday? Yeah, not a good yeah. idea. No, yeah, you're looking for um, increased severity of side effects there for sure. Um, typically... I think the research shows that it's, um, I want to say three to five days of the half-life of, of that drug. Um, so if you take in, you know, a dose daily, you know, you, you're going to be in, into, into some trouble, but, um, you know, certainly if you, you know, miss a dose, um, you know, you can alter your schedules instead of waiting the whole week. Um, if you want to take it a little early, say, well, I'm going to be out of town on Sunday. I want to take it on Saturday. You know, that's certainly an option as well. Um, I would probably recommend taking it a day later than a day sooner, though. Right. Why do you think there's been so much interest about this drug all over TikTok and Instagram and and celebrities and things like that. <laughs> well, we're living kind of in an instant generation, right? Um, everybody wants results now. They don't want to wait for it. They want um, they want everything at in the moment, right? We got food delivered at the press of a button, um, you know, at, on, on our apps, on our phone. We got instant everything. And everybody's looking to be healthy. Everybody wants to be healthy, but not everybody really wants to um, put the effort into it. They you know, they know they should eat right, um, you know, but they don't. They know they should exercise, but they don't. What those reasons are, why they don't, they may, there may be valid reasons why somebody doesn't exercise. There may be valid reasons why somebody doesn't eat right, um, you know, and, and I'm not discounting any of those and, um, you know, blame, putting blame on any, you know, any, any anybody for their, for their choices. Um, there's certainly, you know, spaces where 
You know, it's just not an option for them. But also like where I think semaglutide could fit in is I think when you're like in that rut of eating unhealthy is sometimes it's just hard to get out of that rut. Like, because those foods, like there's, you know, compounds in them that make you crave them. Like when you're eating sugar, you just want more sugar when you're eating Mm -hmm. bad and, you know, used to eating fast food you just want that and then all the you know healthy stuff doesn't sound good so sometimes just doing this program with semaglutide and working with a a wellness professional to teach you how to eat of just changing your habits for you know even two weeks to 30 days can just get you out of that rut of having those cravings yeah well thank you so much for joining us i think we hit all the uh everything you need to know about semaglutide semaglutide and pros and cons um i'd love to have you come talk about uh all the other peptides that wells helps us um, get to our patients absolutely thank you for listening to this episode of healthy her you can find us on instagram facebook and the web go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.